Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the key to let down your walls and make lifelong friends. The key to discovering hidden talents and fresh perspectives. From one-of-a-kind experiences to iconic destinations, Trafalgar gives you the keys to unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com unlock. That's T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R dot unlock. Tour differently. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's why on your favorite podcast platform it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report and not the name the Comedy Bureau Field Report as it should have read in March 2020. But, you know, um, it's uh, I, I complain about it every week and it's a bit that people uh, comment on. And so now I'm stuck doing that. I'm stuck doing that and with the name. And uh, that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> but enough of that, Mishigasen, on to this week's amazing guest, uh, creator, host, and uh, all sorts of other manner of uh, wonderful things of one of the longest running shows I know of in existence. <laughs> On Cabaret, please give it up for Beth Lapidus, everybody. Thanks. Hey. Hey Jake. Hi Beth. How 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 are things? Great, isn't that what we say? Great, everything's great. Great. Uh, great. Is everything great? <laughs> everything's every so many different ways. You know, everything, everywhere, all the time, everything. So mm-hmm. it's you know, everything is so many. It's so complicated, and it's so, um, it's a lot. You know. Yeah, it's I was, a lot. That, that's the new show. That's the new show. You want to take time to plug merch? Oh sure, plug the go get the merch. It's a lot. You'll put links. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, what do you, what you know, got? T shirts that say it's a lot. T shirts, hats. Yeah, sure. Um, but mostly, um, it's about you know trying to pinpoint that feeling of um. You know, it's it's like you know Bo Bo Burnham's song, funny. It's that funny feeling. But what is that? You know, there's so many ways of saying it, and um, it's a lot. You know, I realize that we are saying it, it's so prevalent, and mm-hmm. it's funny when you watch historical television or stream, you know, film, TV, streaming, whatever, um, and you see retroactively, some people haven't are writing retroactively with it's a lot in it. 
historically and it's so wrong because it was it was like it'd be like hearing somebody in the 1800s say it's cool Mm -hmm. you know we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Juliet. you know oh yeah right. it's cool, romeo um mm. but you know when you say it's a lot you know you take it off yourself and onto you put it it's about it which is the thing we're sharing which is right. um the interesting thing that's the yeah. interesting thing is the thing we're all living yeah it's a lot is more catchy than all the slings and arrows ah for now but in <laughs> day, Jake, all the slings and arrows what was catchier than that they had capes emblazoned with all the slings and arrows people bought them at the merch table right i think that's what the kids would call um extra it's a bit extra <laughs> <laughs> I also, that's like, I've gotten to a point where like me saying the kids is not like a bit entirely anymore. There you go. <laughs> I'm like going to turn 36. Forever um, young, Jake. Forever young. Forever young. And like, I don't think that's, uh, I think that's forever young for sure. But I, I've come to realize that oftentimes at open mics, I'm probably one of the oldest people there. <laughs> yeah, that's, Yeah. I have a client who's, I think, in his, 50, he's 45 or 50 in, in, mm -hmm. the, in the clubs. He says mm -hmm. the same. He's, sorry, say again? He says the same. One oh, of the yeah. Other. yeah. And, uh, you know, I try to not, it, it mostly doesn't make a difference or bother me other than, like, it's, like, just references, mainly. Like, they just don't. What what is sort of commonplace, common knowledge, synchronicity? Uh, like you know, um, a lot of Gen Z kids, and I guess Gen Alpha coming behind them, won't be as affected by nine eleven. <laughs> you know, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, World War Two. But you know, the other thing is, I I don't know. You know, I'm I'm very. I'm very the rainbow in every way. You know? Oh, yes, you are. And um, I do find that there is, there are bridges between every part of every spectrum. And, you know, okay, so for other generations, World War II wasn't present or the Vietnam War wasn't present. But you still, if you're a person of substance, uh, you still feel it in your core, this resonance of, you know, uh, I wasn't alive during the Civil War, but it means something. You know what I mean? It's like become a person. What you're looking for is the people who go beyond their generation. I'm always like, you're always looking for the people who go beyond their thing. Yeah. Looking for the extras, people right. who are just extra in every way. Let's yeah. gather together. Let's gather together. I And, you know, I think and stop me if I'm off base here. I think that's like the one of the core missions of Uncabaret now. You know, it is. I mean, it. I, I really think even more so than than it was. You know, look, I, I continue to test the idea with myself of stopping because <laughs> I have plenty of other things to do. But um, as soon as I see the mission is not accomplished, I mean, originally it was you know, the, that first show where I was called to do it 
was when I was at the women's building and it was a meet and greet after one of my shows. And what, I, what year was this for the listeners who don't know? In the late eighties. And, um, <laughs> and yes, children, 1980s. <laughs> and I, I, I said, to, I said to them, I said, people, I wish it was quite as funny as you thought it was. When was the last time you laughed? I mean, they were really was one of those audiences. It was, was just like, wow, right. this is my, you know, they were like, well, we're women and we're artists and we're lesbians. And if we go to comedy clubs, they just make fun of us. Right. And so I said, well, I'll make your show. It'll be unhomophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynist. It'll be on cabaret. And I, it was a download. And I don't know where, never think about the word on cabaret. I'm not a cabaret girl. Um, I mean, maybe more so now after all these years, yeah. but um I sort of thought cabaret was kind of about status quo. It's much more of a downtown New York, you know, mm -hmm. below 14th Street kind of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would say that it's even more so now because I would say now, you know, unhomophobic doesn't even cover it. You know, we have the whole spectrum and unmisogynist is still a huge part of the mission. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it hasn't really I'd like to say it's better, but I don't, you know, don't know. Um, it's marginally better. You know, I, I'm optimistic, maybe a little, you know, maybe the questions are at least louder. But I do think that there's other issues. I mean, I think that there are other spectrums. I think we didn't have neurodiversity spectrums. I think we didn't have, you know, generations gender i mean a lot of, i mean when i i guess when i th think about lgbtq community i think of the gender spectrum as well as the sexual preference spectrum and i you know there's so there's so much i mean we've become much more diverse even i mean even food so right. you know i like to think of it as a tolerant as tolerance mm -hmm. as being one of the hallmarks and mm -hmm. i mean i have to say also i'm much less opinionated than i was at the beginning of uncab i used to you know have such strong opinions well if you go along in life long enough you know some of your opinions turn out to be wrong mm -hmm. and <laughs> so <laughs> what were you wrong about Beth? <laughs> wrong about myself i was wrong about i mean i was wrong about so much and mm -hmm. but i was really right about uncap i think I <laughs> yeah i think yeah absolutely I believe that, you know but that that has to do with like storytelling and intimacy and confessionalism and mm -hmm. um being in the now all that stuff i really still believe in and 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 i think that's really what it is is like really operating from a sense of believing in rather than react being reactionary which it was yes. a little bit at the beginning and yeah. also um believing in rather than you know it's more about belief and storytelling than about opinion right you know i'm not that interested in opinion comedy right right and i would say that like well not to paint it in sort of a binary but like storytelling being in the now is more affirmative where opinion is often in the negative. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to, and look, obviously I don't live without opinion, but I find that having decided to 
not have to have you know in the day you know listen i used to do you know uh politically incorrect a lot and you know i was like and i was like opinions i've got them mm-hmm. um and i just am yeah i mean if we come to understand story if we mm-hmm. come to understand just it's i think what happened also was there was a point at which you know comedians had opinions and everybody else kind of listened mm-hmm. and now the world is so filled with opinion that it it's like i, I mean it's optional an opinion the op part is optional <laughs> you're not required to have an opinion about everything you can be required to take action and live your life anyway i don't need to get on a soapbox anyway that's some stuff was there was there like some galvanizing moment for you where you sort of pivoted of like uh, you know from being on a soapbox to just kind of like i mean this is how i've always seen it on cabarets like really getting to the everyone's humanity and that's what's you know relatable um from the beginning i mean except for the very i mean i really think of the beginning in three state stages which is um you know very birth you know insemination gestation and birth mm-hmm. and the insemination i mean on uh, oddly to use the word insemination at the women's building but you know these this very beginning of it's going to be something that's not the usual thing and then we moved to highways and that at highways it was only me and judy toll and taylor negron negron both you know Mm-hmm. angels among us now right and um you know though that we ran for a while it kept getting extended it was like a late night saturday night run mm-hmm. and the th- it, that really a lot happened there and it really the dna of Lancabry really formed which was judy was super confessional i mean just she just everything everyone was her best friend and she just laid it out and um and taylor with his you know very la he was so la and one of the most la people ever maybe yeah and um and little show business la and also you know you know very unclear about you know it was very shade you know what was he was very unclear and Mm. um and you know a great great storyteller and i had big ideas i mean i think big ideas continue to be interesting and trying to figure things out and um we were all you know anyway we all had all of it but it was a very by the time then we got then i ran for did my campaign to make first lady an elected position Mm -hmm. and when that was over uh jean-pierre started luna park and when we landed there so the these seeds were already planted but once we were at luna park Mm -hmm. it was very um you know the group was forming and as the group formed then it slowly was taking off and then the audience was bringing and we were every week we booked it every week for three weeks and ran for seven years but even though it started kind of slowly um people started bringing their audience started bringing friends and so they were coming back and it was every single sunday and all of a sudden i realized like oh you can't repeat you know here's what it is like it's not your titan i always knew it's not your titan and in order to do that what is it and then it became like okay you have to talk about the now i mean the rule that everybody like quotes was like you can't repeat yourself 
which right. wasn't true. You could sort of repeat yourself, but not just to get a laugh and not just, you know, like if you needed to set something up or wanted to reincorporate something or, and because of that, you know, there was the back mic and I started to talk to people and ask people questions. And so, you know, intimacy and conversation. And of course, you know, this was so long ago for the, the youngers in the audience, you know, we were performing without phones in the room mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> and only, you know, so people really said everything people, I mean, you will never hear anyone perform like this. Now no. people told you names. They said executive that they met. It was like, so confessional. Right. Um, anyway. Although I think Julia has so, been like that. Julia Sweeney. Julia has been like that. Yeah, she has been like that, but it's a little less insider. It was like how Julia still is, but like about living in Hollywood and, you know, be like Greg Barron's breakup with Janine and, you know, names were named and it was people meeting with people at HBO and naming the executives. And it was, (laughs) I don't know, just like nothing was held back. Right, right. And no, I, in that regard, I do, I do agree that, you know, people, I even find myself looking out in the crowd like, oh, is this person who I'm about to refer to here as a friend of theirs here? You know? Um, Well, we just said it. I mean, we said it all, but I I don't know that that's, I don't, and I'm very anti-nostalgia. So I'm not even making the case that that's better. I mean, maybe, you know, sometimes a filter isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, the shows are, um, Maybe I don't know what they are more, but anyway, they're certainly um, di- a little different, a little different and exactly the same. Well, if you're anti-nostalgic, of course they're different, but I think it's evolved in such a beautiful way in that, I mean, it is like a institution. I mean, like when there's oral comedy, oral histories done of comedy, whether it's in LA or just in general, <laughs> and Cabaret gets brought up a lot as this like focal point of like alt comedy being born. Well, I pre I'm glad, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm honored to hold that place in comedy history. And, you know, look, I have always said, we're not the first people to do storytelling comedy. There have always been two strands of comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, before us, there was simultaneously a kind of, you know, storytelling comedy along with the shticky Borscht Belt stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, I don't want to pretend to anyone like, oh, I invented storytelling comedy. Right. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. But what uh, but what is different is um, a more authentic kind of take on it and who's allowed to do it and who it's for. Mm-hmm. That is different. Uh, mm-hmm. That is wholly different. What, I mean, you kind of said who was for its inception who do you who is it for now i mean as everybody would seem you know i would say Mm open-minded people um i would say it is for people who are more sensitive Mm -hmm. Uh, i would say it's for people who um you know like to think for themselves i know that's a weird thing but it's you know a lot of times what happens on our stage isn't telegraphed you have to just know it's funny i mean it's right. just like you have to know it's funny we're not going to always i mean the per, listen it's com- comedians at a level are always telling you what's funny that's just right. the nature of being a comedian is being able to tell someone this is funny with right. you know while you're doing it but um 
you know, you're not going to get beat over the head. It's not that rhythm. It's not, it's not the rhythm. You know, one of the things was always like the rhythm. I remember when I was starting out in New York, well, I was shifting from my, it was actually a happening career in performance art as crazy as that sounds, but um, mm -hmm. I really wanted to, I had had like a spiritual awakening where I was like, okay, life is, here's what life is like you finally get it and then you die. Like I was walking around one night in New York and I realized like, you finally get it, then you die. That's what life is. Uh -huh. And um, I was like, that's either like so tragic or hilarious. And I think you get to choose. Like, I think you get to pick if it's tragic or hilarious. And I was like, well, if you're going to pick, you may as well pick it's hilarious. And I was like, I'm a little bit funny. I mean, like I'm funny for a performance artist, but if I think that's hilarious, I should be funny on purpose. And I don't know if that was just me having to convince myself, like I wanted to do comedy, like, like smart ass way of like, just saying like, go do an open mic, you know? So, <laughs> um, so I did finally start and, I, I, you know, had spent a lot of time on stage already. So I was able to move, even though I was never the funniest at the beginning, mm -hmm. I was able to move through it pretty quickly. But anyway, I had this one booker and some sort of out of town thing and in Queens or something. And it was not my crowd. And, um, but after the gig, the, the booker said to me, like, I, I just, I don't understand it. Like they're not laughing, but, but they're listening. <laughs> like that never happens like right. he, he was so mystified and he kept booking me because he was like i gotta figure out what it is and, <laughs> and then one day he said to me like i've, I've got it uh it, you're it's the you're in the wrong rhythm it's you're doing like one two one two and it's one two one two that's the difference beth you know it's like it's like you're playing jazz you're playing jazz in a rock and roll room and i was like oh all right, that's interesting that's like so interesting mm -hmm. and i started walking around new york just like just kind of doing that rhythm in my head like wow this is the thing that's gonna make launch my career is the, the rhythm <laughs> too um, <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the key to let down your walls and make lifelong friends. The key to discovering hidden talents and fresh perspectives. From one-of-a-kind experiences to iconic destinations, Trafalgar gives you the keys to unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com slash unlock. That's T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R dot com slash unlock. Tour differently.
course, that's not it at all. But um, yeah. but you know, it is true that you know, comedy, excellent comedy, um, both more traditional and more experimental, whatever it is, you know, there is something about not being afraid of of pun- you know, there is a not being afraid of punching. Right. Uh, because you know of, of that kind of telling and that kind of like and en- ending with that so there is a truth to what he was saying but right. um uh, it's an oversimplification oversimplification because then you know what was amazing one of the things about uncab is um you know sometimes we'd be editing like early days cds or later on streaming stuff and I'd be in the other room. I wouldn't be hands-on editing. And I would hear something in the background and I could only hear it very slightly so that I could literally only hear the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I would know who it was. Like I'd know, oh, that's Bob Odenkirk. Oh, that's Taylor Negron. Oh, that's Kathy Griffin. Just by like the sound of their voice. Right. And um, you could see it when you saw the, when you watched the, you know, sound on yeah, screen, yeah. It all looked so different. And I think that's something that's, I just I cherish and um, I think it's something to really notice is how different everyone is. Oh yeah. And so I think that when you say who what is the audience, you know, audience who appreciate, you know, uniqueness and individuality and aren't looking for, you know, just sort of to to for the same rhythm and I, I, I you know, it's like mm-hmm the you know your inner truth kind of rides in on the rhythm mm-hmm. of your voice and sometimes i'll see someone that i'm somebody like byron who sometimes will be trying to find something and right 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 i mean and there's sometimes he'll be making his way through material and i mean, i just love him so much oh and it's like it's yeah. not a hundred percent clear what he's talking about <laughs> yet oh no 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 it's just you know you're swimming in it with him because you right. know it's just fun being in his rhythm and um you know that's true of, of like everyone that keeps working with us people who are really part of what we're doing right. that is true right like you know kira sultanovich who you have on a lot like oh she my messed, god yeah it was so great but she definitely has like a very definite oh, rhythm yeah and one of the queens of using repetition as a style, you know, being able to use rep- theme and variation. If you watch mm-hmm. like a phrase and watch her like right. roll a phrase around and from the beginning to a minute and a half later, like, oh my God. I mean, the use, her use of repetition is, is like masterous. Yeah. That's a new word I just made up. I, I wanted to say master, but then I'm against the word master. But mistress also sounds a little S and M, so I'm saying mistress now. Mistress, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, mas- I mistress has a uh, has a better quality than masterful, I think. Masterful is so like um, I don't know, you know, TED Talk or something. <laughs> yeah, it feels like reserved for a uh, classical pianist. Yes. <laughs> oh my god but yeah byron i yeah i feel like you're definitely in this like ocean of his mind you know i mean he last show he was talking about being a new father and i think he was really just trying to sort that out just being a new father like yeah way- he really is i mean that's i mean that's that's what cab- I mean, listen, people come with some more worked out stuff, but I mean, nothing makes me happier than if somebody uses it for what it was really built for. Mm-hmm. Figuring it out on stage with an audience who wants to figure it out with you in a conversation. I mean, I really believe that conversation is a magical, sacred space. 
It is. So, mm -hmm. you know. How did you come to that conclusion? Right, through the show or did you like something in life happen where you're like, you had a conversation and then you realized. Not one conversation. I think mm -hmm. I, you know, from the earliest days of friendship, you know, where you're really starting to become friends with people, maybe is that junior high school when, you know, you start to lay your head, you know, when you're like really starting to talk to people. Right. Um, Beyond surface level, kind of like, how are you? Yeah, like really talking, like really trying to say how you feel and what you think. And, you know, I think if I do, I mean, I would say that I think the world has shifted a little bit in the level of busyness. And we have a lot of professional people we talk to now. Mm -hmm. You can talk to your coach or your therapist or your, right. you know, there's a lot of people to talk to. It's set up. I mean, it's almost set up. It's crazy because it's like, I really try to take time to, still to, to quote unquote, talk on the phone. Maybe it's Zoom. Maybe it's, you know, I mean, I do try to talk to people still. Right. I know that's very old fashioned, but um, <laughs> that I mean, that is crazy to me that it is old fashioned that, that like a lot of my generation and younger, it's like like calling you on the phone uh, unannounced is like a big faux pas. Oh, no, I don't do that. I mean, no. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Generational thing. That's a 2023 thing. Uh -huh. uh, up a call i mean I, I mean i have a few friends who we pick up the phone to each other i have a few right. friends that are like but even those friends i will sometimes text and say is you know do is this a good time just right. so because i have some friend you know you have to have some friends that they will pick up the phone anytime you call yeah. and so you'd like to give somebody a heads up that like it's not an emergency you just like feel like you know do you have a couple of minutes right um that's important so, you know, but I also have people that I will take the time to help on the phone, you know, like a check-in helping call. Mm -hmm. I like to make myself available for that for some people. And um, I, I just think that we, you know, look, I'm not saying everybody, but certainly everyone listening to your podcast, mm -hmm. you know, there is a getting stuck in your head and in your own thoughts and, um, I remember when I, about 10 years ago, maybe 15, you know, 13 years ago, somebody said to me, you know, thoughts create feelings. And I was like, that is obviously not true. Obviously mm -hmm. your feelings exist and then you have thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, they were like, well, and I was like, well, all right, I'll experiment with that. And, mm -hmm. um, and when I realized that there was some truth to it, that i mean you can't always fi fix it but you know there is a sense of like anyone of any quality mm -hmm. falls prey to the spinning thoughts mm -hmm. because of the world that we live in oh yeah you can't protect yourself all the time i mean you just can't and um and so i just think getting it out of your head and hearing what people don't even know what they're thinking so and that's what a conversation so i mean you asked me like you know is was there a conversation and i don't think there was i think in college i had a lot of smart friends and we talked a lot and we did you know we had mm -hmm. some very formal um we had a very formalized thing i think i talked about this in the book um there was something there was a new dorm where we were and uh 
it was, there was this room in it that had no purpose, like no obvious purpose. And right. it was like weird shaped. And there was like a carpeted sort of bench around the room. There was a window cut out of the wall with a rheostat. So we called it the funny room because it was mm -hmm. kind of funny. And then um, we would, you know, pass around tonight. We're going to meet at the funny room and we would bring somebody would steal a Boston cream pie. We'd mm -hmm. get high as we just get so high uh -huh. and then we would like have one spoon and then we would start you know did this ritual that was like oh great pie oh great pie <laughs> pass it around and then uh -huh. we would take one bite till it was over and then we would start doing shows in the little window right and um that was probably my earliest you know formal comedy at that in, in school i was you know, doing dance and modern dance and, you know, sort of performance already dance stuff. But those shows were really almost stand up. We did, you know, weird puppet things and conversational things. And, mm -hmm. but it was there too at, at Brown that, you know, the idea of um, just talking and, you know, just talky people talking about things and really starting to try to figure things out. You just, there's a level, you can't do it on your own. I really believe this part of life of, you know, mm -hmm. I love spending time by myself, but you can't do it by yourself. And that's I why as a writer, I still gravitate towards, you know, keeping on cab going because it has that sense of it. True. I feel the it's almost amazing how the mind's ability to kind of like, if you're not with people to like convince you that you are alone in like a very universal sense. And I feel like conversation being a sacred space makes you, takes you out of that. Yeah, for sure. And finding people you can be in a, like a, you know, decade long conversation with, yeah. which is, I do feel about Uncap. I mean, there are people now who bring their kids, there are kids who bring their parents also. But I mean, I mean you, you had a, you had Jamie's kid perform. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you know, double, double, uh, double generational. I mean, we've had Phoebe before we had Jackson, but, um, yeah. still, but, they, but Jamie wasn't on, I don't know if Jamie was on the show when Phoebe was on was she in the audience or the show either way. Right. Um, of course we have had the Sklars. That's, mm -hmm. you know, other yeah, I think that's the first <laughs> time I heard like the, like the Sklars mentioned Uncap as like one of their first, Vocal, uh, vocal point, you know, uh, trying no, the scars. I mean, the scars did the show a lot. And, um, my then partner, Greg Miller, uh, he actually produced one of, you know, Julia's show, Julia's Broadway show came out of uncab material. The scars mm -hmm. had this show that came out of uncab material. Of course, Alex Edelman mm -hmm. just left Broadway. That show came out of his uncab material. Right. Um, there may be others, but those three, you know, come to mind. Yeah. Oh man, Alex, what, what Broadway sensation, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he worked. I, I mean, I, if I'm lining this up time wise, I, he would have had to work a lot of that out on Zoom. Yeah. No, he didn't. He did a lot of it on. Um, Mitch is so much better with dates. Mitch was 2016. Oh, okay. This is older. Okay. Yeah. And um, and then he did a bulk, the you know, really the biggest, you know, a big chunk of that mm -hmm. story at the uh, anniversary show at Theater with the Ace. Uh, and that was November 2018. Wow. Which, uh, when is the th 30 years is this year? 
you know, and I, you know, can I tell you the truth? The 25th anniversary was 30 years, I think, but I, mm -hmm. I, I just, I mean, it's always just now at my, I'm just like 25 plus. I never know when to start. We started the first, you know, on sure. at the first women's building show, probably, yeah. or, you know, so I don't know when it, it's a long time. I don't know. We had, we did, we've had like a few different 25th anniversary moments. <laughs> Look, it's a, she's a female person, Bon Cabaret. Right. We, right. But it's a been a long time. <laughs> been a long time. You're you're observing time on a spectrum now. It's all yeah, I mean at a certain point, what does it matter? But decades and decades. For, I think we are at around 30 at this point, but um whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and I mean, I don't know, you just have so much to show for it, you know? Do we though? <laughs> do we take a, pa a packed room at El Cid every time you do it? I think so. Even yeah, I mean we have a community, and the community. Well, one thing that's I mean a few things are really exciting to me right now. Um, mm -hmm. I mean I love the story of Un Cabaret. I love what it means. I love that it's revolution. I love that it you know was a shift. I love that it was um, innovative. You know I love all this about the story. I love the group that, you know, but really I love the community and I love that the community keeps growing. Yeah. And uh, I love that the audiences, I don't know, at a certain point I was like, oh, our audience is our audience. And it was hard to figure out how we were going to, you know, kind of uh, how, because we had taken a hiatus and when we came back and then, you know, what is the reconvening? But we have a lot of new people finding us at El Cid and, you know, um, in December, we're going to start doing shows at the Nimoy in Westwood. Oh, and, wow. um, I'm super excited about that. That's with UCLA, Cap UCLA, who were the people that we produced the anniversary show with. Oh, and they were given a, yeah, that's a great organization. And, um, they were given a theater by uh, Leonard Nimoy and his uh, widow, wife, um, the Nimoy family. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of the those beautiful theaters in Westwood, the Crest. Mm -hmm. And they've now renamed it the Nimoy, as you oh, do cool. when you're given a theater. Uh -huh. and, um, they've been renovating it for two or three years. You know, it was supposed to open and then COVID and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's going to be a state-of-the-art facility, um, grand piano on stage, you know, cameras, sound, movable, you know, it can be cabaret, it can be theater seats, blah, blah, blah. Right. And um, we're going to start doing shows there in December. We're going to keep doing shows also at El Cid. And mm -hmm. so we'll be West Side and, and East Side. People have Amazing. And yeah. you'll probably have... I mean, it'll be, I think, the same community, but I mean, you know, you've lived in LA for so long. There are people who just like aren't going to leave, you know, west of the or east of the 405. Oh, no. And, you know, and, and it's not, I, I don't, I, I don't say it with any kind of begrudging thing because I mean, to drive an hour for a show and then an hour home, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it's just, it is really excessive. So mm -hmm. I'm happy to be, we, I think maybe before your time, we did, um, we used to do shows at the Skirball Cultural Center. We mm -hmm. were there for about 10 years. We did wow. a monthly show on Friday nights and mm -hmm. um, 
did a whole comedy festival there that right. interview nights. I interviewed Richard Lewis and we had, we did stand up and we did readings and we had a thing called say the word before reading comedy reading nights were a thing. We also innovated in that area. Uh-huh. And uh, we had a show called <laughs> say the word and that was TV writers telling the story of their own lives, but it was written pieces because we, I, at that point there were a lot of TV writers in our circle who were funny and had great stories, but couldn't quite, you know, the stand-up thing is a different thing. So we expanded the circle and we did those nights. And those nights are actually available. Um, we have a lot of those stories are available on Audible. Oh wow. So the Uncab has spanned decades as we uh, you know as how many <laughs> you know approximate infinite, um, infinite. It's in, it's our infinite anniversary. Infinite anniversary. Perfect. I love that uh how what have you what have you seen change slash what do you look for in the new people that like come into the sphere of uncabaret like byron well um it's interesting there's more younger people who are perfectly suited to do one or two new sets, but they're, they're not like, they don't have a ton. They're not somebody like Byron or Alex. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking for people who need us, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking for people who have deep need for processing their story out loud as comedy. Right. And, um, you know, a curiosity, I would say, is part of that. A curiosity about how would I tell that story? A hunger to process their story as comedy. Always, I mean, the same things always. The unique point of view, the, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. But beyond that, there are people with that who have a good set, but who I don't feel like the well, like they're not hungry, you know, they're just, they'd just be as happy to do it as a podcast or, you know, write a script or whatever. Do they want to get on stage and tell their story? Right. Right. Always looking for that. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, there's this idea that comedians are like um, all depressed, all sad clowns. I don't think that's entirely true. Certainly there's a prevalence but I think the connective tissue that actually brings all comedy folk together is that is wanting to get on stage and tell a story of some kind. Yeah, well, not all comedians want to tell a story. They well, all yeah, I said so, I said some kind. <laughs> there are people, you know, like I think about this a lot. Technically, you know, all comedy is observational comedy under the idea that everybody in comedy observes the world and then they process it and then they filter it out however they choose some people like brent weinbach choose to go completely absurdist with it as a kind of a genuine reflection of how he sees the world right and then there are other people like kyle canane who just poetically spin the things as they happen you know yeah 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 you know um yeah, I agree. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've only uh, covered comedy, written about it you know, for like 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
it's not it's not 30 but it's getting there that's a it's a good number it's a good it's, it's a good it's number your bar mitzvah <laughs> if I can only get some bar mitzvah money, that would be really great. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beth, do you want to do a little bit of comedy news or mostly hear me say some news? I'll hear you say some news. Sure. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Um, okay, so um, we might not, might not even get to all this, but um, so starting off, one of my favorite comedians, Beth Stelling, who uh, her last special came out, I think, right around quarantine or right before, called Girl Daddy um, on HBO Max, um, which a lot of people really loved. And uh, her next special is actually just announced uh, to premiere on Netflix on October 3rd. Um, if you didn't want me then, uh, Beth, uh, I feel like Beth, I don't know that she necessarily processes things on stage. Cause she, I mean, to talk about a rhythm, I mean, that I think that's what's kind of hypnotic uh, uh, about her comedy. Um, it's not set up punch, but there's just like punch lines that just kind of float around and surprise you. But uh, I, you know, I get asked a lot about what are specials to watch? Because I feel like there are so many specials put out literally every week. Um, some on Netflix, a lot on YouTube. And um, I do try to watch every single one of them. Now, Wow. I, I won't watch the entirety because I can only, I'm not a masochist entirely. <laughs> you know, I, I think a, a big takeaway of me watching a lot of specials is just like, I want to say to a lot of these people, like, did anybody ask you, do you have an hour that I, <laughs> I can watch? Because the answer is no, I don't think you should have done it. Yeah, I mean, also, I don't even think, pe- I, I've seen people put material up so much too soon. I'm like, I'm I'm like I might put material up someday, and I'm I mean, I'm like you there's you don't like I, I I'm so the opposite I'm like I don't know come see it, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh but and that's you know I'm I I air to the other side, and I would smack myself silly you know if I was talking to myself right but um yeah I but think that's the, better. But the opposite is also true. I mean, you do, you know, you're not required to put so much up. Okay, you need to put one set up for booking. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, there are definitely, when you see a good one, um, you know who's special I really loved, which you might think like that wouldn't be someone I would think that might, re- I loved that Ron, first Ronnie Chang one so much. <laughs> I I have to rewatch it. Re- sure. I couldn't believe I had never seen him. I had never mm-hmm. seen his work. Right. And I think I just was taken by the title. Nobody I just came to a completely like, I wonder what this is. Right. I thought it was so beautiful and so meticulous. And mm-hmm. I laughed so hard. And it was so I mean, as storytelling comedy, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, did you like that one? I'm putting you really on the Yeah, spot. yeah, yeah. I I'm uh, the this first one it talks about how he plays the Soho theater in London and 
Oh, maybe it wasn't the first one. This is the one with the wife and the wedding and he... Oh, I don't think I've seen this one. Oh, my God. And he's got this giant draped red curtain behind him. Okay. Curtain is so incredible. I mean, also, one of the things about comedy that has always upset me is how mm-hmm. unesthetic it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I 100 I mean, agree. I'm just I'm like, why do we have to have these caricatures? They're horrible. I mean, it's right. just ugly. Can't we? I mean, the things, can't we make it more beautiful? I mean, yes. it's ugly because it's comedy. Right. And this curtain behind Ronnie Chang is like so mesmerizingly beautiful. And at the end of the. Mm-hmm special the curtain hang it's there's a credit for the person who did the curtain and i felt very redeemed i was like okay it wasn't accidental it was really on purpose like and i yeah it was really good there's i mean i love there's you know there's so many specials i have loved um Mm -hmm. speaking you know that brings to mind marin's latest special oh i thought he did such a good job with it he did and there is this backdrop of this like sky at sunset. And I, I'm friends with the director, Steve. And I think when they were having conversations about it, it was like, that is like the image, they want something that evoked like his feeling of Lynn. Of what? Oh, of well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When, when we were doing comedy, our comedy central show, um, our biggest fight with the network was they wanted reaction shots and i've always been really against the audience reaction shot mm-hmm. i've been like don't tell people it's funny by showing someone laughing i do think now i've softened on it a little bit because sometimes i do like a little view of the audience and who the audience is like once or once or twice but right. using the reaction shot as a cheat and um we ended up using me as a cheat you know, mm-hmm. sitting there at the back mic, but it, at least it wasn't like it was still, I, I don't know. But we ended up using a, um, I remember we had all these different themes we wanted to do, and they were like summer. I'm like, summer, that's not what you want to do right. a show. About. And then, but it ended up that so many things happen in the summer. Like you forget how much life you pack as we turn into fall. I mean, mm-hmm. the trips and the thing. I mean, there's just so much life in summer. So mm-hmm. many stories happen mm-hmm. in summer. Right. So it was ended up being great, but we ended up using sort of a, but also it was, it's the lighting. You know, we spent a lot of our budget on lighting because mm-hmm. that can really change things. It really, really can. And it, I mean, it really does set the tone. And I feel like that's part of how, a lot of these specials feel unspecial, you know? They, it's just like, all right, did they show up at this theater and somebody turned the lights on and then they just press record, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, was there even an uplight? I mean, I don't know. I mean, not that an uplight is good, but this is like, it, some of it you look at and you're like, did anyone even produce this? I mean... <laughs> Is there a producer on this? Anyone? I mean, was there even a meeting? Did, was uh-huh. there a, did you have a meeting? <laughs> you know, possibly not. Possibly not. Possibly not. I mean, yeah. you know, and in the end, look, in the end, it's the material. In the end, it's what you're talking about. Right. But there, you have to look at something and um, you have to wear something and you have to... You know, it's funny as I'm flipping through them, I like the Wanda Sykes white suit. Like I can really bring that to mind. You know, that was right. such a clear choice. And right. 
such an excellent special um, and it that doesn't mean necessarily that everyone has to wear a suit because i've seen no, no you can wear a t-shirt the right i mean it doesn't matter it has to be like your t-shirt you yeah. know yeah um because i've seen non-suit people wear suits because they were like doing letterman or something yeah. and it's it's not it's not right something's off too. yeah you know yeah you have to be in the thing that you you know be you that's it yeah yeah absolutely so uh, like whatever that is to the nth degree, you know, if if you're all about denim, I, I love people who like are so into denim, they have like denim outfits that are more than like cost more than a suit, you know? <laughs> well, not necessarily than a big good suit. But... <laughs> of course, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have no, I mean, I love to get dressed up. That's me, but that's me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't have any... I don't have any, I'm not about it for any, anyone, you know, else. It's funny, you know, there's another show at El Cid um, and the girl who hosts it came up to me the other day and she was like, I see, I see now what your point is. It's good to have a, a uniform because mm -hmm. I show up every week in the sense she was like, I'm now I'm doing that too. I was like, oh yeah, there's nothing as good as a uniform. I mean, <laughs> get a uniform, never change. Mm -hmm. I mean, change, but then you know, have a right. new uniform. Right. Do you have an expansive uniform? Like, I, I technically have like a uniform, but it's never the same. Well, currently, I have a real uniform. Uh -huh. Like, you know, I have that jacket. I'm about to. I'm, I'm working on changing the uniform, uh -huh. but I haven't settled on what the next uniform will be. It will be another uniform. It's funny, <laughs> but when I was in junior high school. I was on the committee that was trying to abolish the uniform. Uh -huh. <laughs> from our school and now i realize that you know that's exactly what i was saying earlier opinions now uh -huh. i had such a strong opinion about uh, the uniforms which i now have the exact opposite opinion about in life i will usually have like you know a few rotating uniforms sure. um but for state you know and for yeah i have a few but yeah i have that one i have it just helps me for, especially with Uncab when I'm having to produce and host mm -hmm. and do my own, you know, do my right. own. Stuff. It's a lot of job. It's just like one less thing to right. have on the list. What am I going to wear? And that's why people do it, you know. Um, I'll mention this news story briefly and we'll get you out of here. Um, so the Venice Film Festival is happening right now. Um, and because of the double strike, only directors and producers are there. Right um yorgos lanthimos do you know who yorgos is sure <laughs> who is that <laughs> yorgos i mean you know it's weird there in 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 film in comedy i feel like there's this great dichotomy between um you know kind of like something kevin hart would be in versus like a wes anderson movie sure that's a pretty wide yeah. spectrum yeah, but like Wes, like Kevin Hart movies don't get like critical acclaim or award festival, like festival attention or anything like that. They're meant for the multiplex. Um, and as such, I feel like there's this small class of comedy auteurs, Wes being one of them, Yorgos Lanthimos being another, who um, he he did uh, The Lobster, which is like this sort of high co concept absurdist dark comedy romantic I, comedy actually uh the favorite uh with um rachel vice and uh olivia coleman and that like got oscar attention 
And now his latest movie, um, Horror Things, which is sort of a reimagining of like Frankenstein a little bit, uh, is getting a lot of acclaim. But <laughs> I, I partially mentioned this because of comedy and wanting to shout out Yorgos, but he got a 10 minute standing ovation at Venice, which A, I think is a ridiculous thing that happens. And then B, I wonder who is the person responsible for timing these? Because so like people keep timing these and they keep being headlines and deadlines. Like, oh, so-and-so only got a five minute standing ovation versus like a 10. And if you've even clapped for like 30 seconds after somebody, like a moment, it's like, that's a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I, that, that point is like athletic. Yeah, it's athletic. And it, I mean, what's the point of it? I feel like that's such a... Well, at that point, it's just like the momentum is just carrying it. When do you stop? Like once you've been going that long, like what's what's going to stop you ever? Well, I mean, right. once it's 10 minutes, why isn't it two hours? How does it right. end? How does it? Yeah. How does it I think end? The lights finally come up. They decide. Yeah. Or... I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about standing ovations. Listen, I, I there's nothing I hate more than an obligatory standing ovation. Uh, yes. Watching something and one person gets up and then everybody has to get up. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even like this show and now I'm right. standing and I feel like a fraud. Right, right, right. Sometimes you really liked it. You loved it, but you don't feel like standing up. And sometimes mm-hmm. you like, I don't know. I just think, you know, and now as a performer, you kind of have to go for the standing ovation because like that's so, I mean, and, and, you know, you hate, then there's the pity standing ovation because you yes, told there a is. story uh-huh. there. I mean, it's really like, I'm going to have to go, but I, I really have, I, I mean, it's a good question. The 10 minute standing ovation. I obviously everything's recorded. So all they have to do is look at the recording to see, right. Oh, right. you know, uh, it was 10 minutes and, at a certain point, you know, it's sort of like Frank Sinatra with the girls with the flowers. And, you know, the, I mean, it's seated. Right. So um, it doesn't nothing. None of it feels authentic. And I don't believe any of it. Yeah, it doesn't feel authentic. And the fact that it's time makes it feel more inauthentic. Yeah. Rather than, I don't know, it's just just clap and then it, it say your piece afterwards. And we'll take We'll, you know, discern from there. Uh, hand, you know what everybody works so hard may everybody give a standing ovation yay does it make <laughs> somebody happier what's the problem sure i love it right right you no know? yeah but i do hate to be in an audience and feel like it's like i'm being cranky if i don't want to stand up yeah i i i feel that a lot <laughs> i mean part of the reason i sit in the back so people can't see <laughs> Even so, I don't know. Even so, you know, you know, there's always the chance somebody's going to look aside and go, "Why isn't Bethel Peterson?" I mean, I don't want to have an inflated sense of, yeah. you know, people. I think I can count the number. What is Bethel Peterson doing? Getting into the car with all those bags. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can count hey, the it's number. Been so great to talk yeah. to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me here. Do you want to uh, mention where people can find you and more stuff about on Cabaret really quick? Certainly. I'd love to mention where people can find me uh, on the socials. I'm Beth underscore Lapidus. Um, and that underscore is one of the worst decisions of my life, but there it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm Beth Lapidus on, on Substack, the infinite creator. Um, I love the Substack. Find me there. 
you can uh, email me at beth at oncabaret.com. Uh, you can get on the, or we have a mailing list that we send out that tries not to be tedious that, um, you know, get, give you all the show information. You can find my book. So you need to decide which features so many of the Uncabaret people you've come to know and love, plus other uh, fine uh, cultural figures like Phoebe Bridgers and uh, Scott Frank and um, all sorts of interests and Isaac Mizrahi about decision-making and work and love and life and spirituality. That is an audio only book uh original audio that can get you through so many days find that on amazon and everywhere you get your audiobooks and of course on cabaret is at lc our tickets are up on uh, eventbrite you can go to the website or just go directly to eventbrite and you know as i said and i'm going to be doing it a lot in november at lcid as well and um that's a lot of places to find me i think you should be able to find me at one of those places and please do yeah and look out for on cabaret in west la in westwood yes. starting when starting uh december 16th it's a saturday night a big wow. unholiday show um nice. alex edelman is i believe gonna be back for that show and cool. uh tim bagley wow. it's gonna be a super fun show and then we'll be there once a month and um that's just the beginning of where you can find us yeah great what thank you for doing it at that time when everybody is gone yeah. <laughs> well, December 16th, hopefully everyone won't be gone. Hopefully there will be 250 people. Yeah, there will, there will at least be 250 orphan Christmas people. Yes. I think uh, December 16th, people are still here. I think yeah. it's the last moment. Right. <laughs> I mean, I normally don't do a show in December, but I thought, you know, to do an unholiday show, I feel like people aren't wanting to travel to the at the level that we wanted to travel feel like there's enough people still in town oh there will be especially if you're gonna do it over there there are people who are probably like oh finally i can go a lot of people you know over there i think save their travel for january go somewhere right. fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know how they do right okay all right uh, honey thanks so much thank and you. for your great work with the comedy bureau you're an asset to comedy in los angeles and uh, i and the whole team at uncabaret greatly appreciate you and your work Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be of service. Yeah. Well, likewise. And I'm Jake Kroger. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket, on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. So many great causes support at this time. I ask that you please support those. If you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau to keep the lights on amongst several other things um and with that said as comedy is still happening as a great brody stevens would say enjoy it the comedy bureau field report is recorded produced and edited by jake kroger Music by Brian Granillo, artwork by Andrew Delman and KT, and part of the Believe Podcast family. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list. Teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.